0: Chapter Fifteen of Zofloya. This is a Liebervox recording. All Liebervox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit Liebervox.org. Zofloya by Charlotte Dacre. Chapter Fifteen. Megallina Strozzi, from this instance of the envy and treachery of female acquaintance, became disgusted with Venice and resolved to retire again to her villa near the banks of the lake, that she might retain her captive in solitary safety. Having but rarely quitted her house during her stay in Venice, and even then avoiding the most public resorts, she had, as she desired, escaped the observation of Count Berenza, who indeed, had he chanced to have espied her, would have been more anxious to shun than recognize her. Venice, however, she with Leonardo hastily quitted, and repaired to Acqua Dolce, secretly happy that she had borne away her lover from all further temptation, and exclusively appropriated him to herself. For a time she remained tranquil and satisfied. She found means to diversify the scene, and amuse the youthful taste of Leonardo by rambling about the beautiful walks that environed her dwelling, or sometimes, in her gondola, taking the fresco upon the lake. Yet, spite of all this, Spite of being unceasingly in the society of him she preferred, her restless spirit could not be restrained, and again she panted for the gay pleasures of the city. Ennui began to take possession of her ill organized and resourceless mind, for it is the pure, intellectual soul alone that can receive delight from solitude. Venice, with all its dangers, became preferable in her eye to the gloomy sameness, though security, of the country and after a residence of a few weeks there, she again resolved to brave the allurements of the city. Leonardo was equally desirous with her to emerge from seclusion, but having now acquired artifice, he affected indifference to the proposed change. Magalina, pleased at this appearance, and flattering herself that he was now too firmly riveted to allow himself to be again seduced by the charms or incitements of others, with as great eagerness as she had flown to it, now hastened from her weary solitude. Arrived once more in Venice, she boldly resolved that she would no more, as formerly, debar herself from going, as she had been wont to do, to the most public resort of the gay Venetians, and she even decided in her mind that should Barenza, as fully she expected he would, question her with respect to the nature of her intimacy with the youth Leonardo, to impose upon him, if possible, the same story that she had attempted to pass upon others. In consequence of these arrangements, it was that she no longer withheld herself from figuring in St. Mark's Place, or on the Laguna. Leonardo, however, constantly declined accompanying her in these public expositions, and the artful Florentine procured him such amusements at home as should inform her on her return how he had employed his time. Thus it was that, on a certain evening, during one of her excursions on the lake, she encountered Barenza, whom so long she had feared to meet but encountered him under circumstances that she had little expected. Bitter and offensive to her jealous soul was the situation in which she beheld him, with a young and lovely rival seated by his side, in gay and amorous converse, with the basilisk's eye she gazed upon her, breathing destruction and revenge. And is it for this, then, she exclaimed, that I have till now so anxiously concealed myself? Well, might the wretch be incurious respecting me, "'well, he might leave me unmolested by his visits. "'But why? "'Ah, little could I guess, "'and clearly shall he pay for the short-lived raptures "'his inconstancy has procured him.' "'Thus bursting with rage, swore the vengeful Magdalena, "'and rushing immediately as she entered her abode "'to the apartment where she had left Leonardo "'employed in finishing a drawing, "'she threw herself upon a chair beside him and exclaimed, "'Throw! Throw aside your pencil, Leonardo, "'and seize your dagger!' for, by heaven, this night he dies. What sayest thou, Magdalena? inquired the youth with evident surprise, fixing his eyes upon her countenance. Who is it dies tonight, and what dost thou mean? By the rage which flamed on her cheek and sparkled in her eye, Leonardo easily discerned that something unusual had occurred. Taking her hand and tenderly kissing it, he pursued, Tell me, Magdalena, what has befallen thee? Yes, he shall. By all my hopes of salvation, he shall die, frantically cried the vindictive Florentine. And thou, Leonardo, yes, thou shalt execute my vengeance on him. Murder again. The theme was still horrible to Leonardo, and again he shuddered and recoiled. Will thou not consent, Leonardo? she said in a hollow voice, fixing upon him her large and fiercely gleaming eyes. But say, who must die? cried the youth. And what is the offence against thee? The treacherous, the ungrateful betrayer. But you know him not, Leonardo. Yet mark me, my resolution is taken, and it devolves on you to execute it. The time is at length come wherein you must prove the strength, the devotedness of your attachment to me. Now then, hear me. Il Conte Brenze is a noble Venetian. He was the betrayer, the deceiver of my youth. "'To him do I owe. "'Yes, to him,' added the artful Florentine, "'that first my soul wandered from the paths of virtue, "'that I am now unworthy,' "'hiding her countenance upon the bosom of her agitated lover, "'to become ever more than the mistress of my Leonardo.' "'The heart of Leonardo became infinitely affected. Magdalena proceeded. "'This day I encountered him on the laguna, "'accompanied by a female. "'He passed me by.' He uttered words the most gross, the most insulting. I regarded him with horror and surprise painted in my looks, when, fearful I suppose that the mere sight of me should contaminate the purity of his present love, he rudely waved his hand, and with an air of scorn and indignation, as if to say, in pure wretch, how darest thou appear to recognize me in the presence of a superior female? Leonardo, she pursued, furiously starting from her chair, strung with new rage by the revelation of the falsehood she had invented. Leonardo, shall I tamely submit to this? Canst thou submit to it? This to thy mistress? It is for this he dies. Thy love has ennobled me, and I will not now suffer degradation tamely. The highly susceptible feelings of Leonardo, thus artfully played upon, became enkindled. He participated in her well-feigned outraged delicacy, so flattering to his own self-love but still the revenge was dreadful to his mind, proportioned too far beyond the offence. Perceiving that, though his cheek glowed with indignation, and his eyes with ardent love, that still he spoke not, determined then to work him to the pitch she required, she resumed. "Oh, Leonardo, if, in love for thee, I have outstepped the bounds of decency and decorum, oh, let me not, therefore, with faltering voice she pursued, Let me not be with impunity outraged or trampled on by others. No, 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 cried the overpowered Leonardo, raising her in his arms. No, never, sweet mistress of my soul, while I have life. He who offends thee dies. Thou art, then, thou art my own, cried the delighted Florentine. That assurance reanimates my sinking soul. Secure now of my cherished revenge... "'I will discuss with thee further the steps to be pursued. "'Come, my beloved Leonardo, let us go to the supper-room.' "'Obedient to her will, Leonardo accompanied her. "'Seated now at supper with the imaginating Florentine, "'she, fearful that his enthusiastic ardor might relax, "'pledged him repeatedly in goblets of the most potent wine, "'taking sufficient care, however, to elude swallowing more herself "'than would permit her to preserve her empire over him. "'As it fatally happened for Leonardo,' Magdalena never appeared more beautiful to him than at those times when she was urging him to the commission of some horrible evil, so that deeds, however repugnant to his nature, and the loss of her love, bore in his deluded eyes no comparison. Magdalena, well aware of this, by appearing in her conduct and by her language as though she considered herself to have received his promise of avenging her, took from him, in fact, the power of refusing to do so. How to acknowledge to her that his soul, shuddering, recoiled from the idea of murder, he knew not. From his knowledge of her disposition, he shrunk at encountering her direful rage, her bitter reproaches and resentful looks. But more, he shrunk even in thought from the possibility of her abandoning him, and with a violent but expiring struggle, he decided in his mind to acquiesce and give up every attempt to alter the current of events. As the fumes of the wine mounted to his brain, The reasoning of principle subsided, and the delusions of fancy increased. The Florentine became every moment more beautiful in his sight, and he began to think that, in her cause, crime itself must become a virtue. She who, as she had persuaded him, seduced by her wild and conquerable love toward him, to forego and cast aside every principle of delicacy, she who had braved for him the scorn and contumely of the world, who had even this day, through him, as he conceived, endured gross insult. No, it was no longer the representations of his lovely mistress which aroused him, but honour, justice, and gratitude. So wild and erring in the increasing heat of intoxication, reasoned and believed the deluded Leonardo. It was now him who led to, and followed up the subject, while the exalting Megalina, by our refinement of artifice, added fuel to the fire she had excited without appearing to do so. At length, unable to contain the burning rage she inspired him with, he started suddenly up, and drinking down an overflowing goblet of Lacrima Christi, he prepared to rush from the house without even taking the necessary precaution of a cloak and a mask as enforced by Magdalena. For a moment she succeeded in calming him, but only to direct his fervor to unerring and surer destruction. Covering his face with a mask, she armed him with a stiletto, which she took from her girdle, and covered his figure with a cloak. Then, straining him in her arms, she cried, Success attend thee! Strung anew by her seductive embrace, stiletto in hand, he flew from the house, to plunge the deadly weapon in the heart of a man who had never injured him, whom even he did not know. Such is the influence to be obtained by female prolificy over the warm feelings of unaided youth. Directed by the subtle enchanter, Leonardo quickly gained the palazzo of Berenza. As it had been a night of festivity, he found an easy access to the home, and unobserved into the chamber, where he concealed himself behind a wide curtain that covered a window, which, as has been said, opened into a balcony. On hearing Berenza and Victoria enter, he had stepped into it for greater security, and perceived, with no indifferent feeling, that it would, in case of necessity, afford him an opportunity of escape. There, in a state of mind bewildered, yet dreading to be reasonable, he remained till occasion seemed favourable for the execution of his purpose. The success it met with has been already related. To a hand rendered unsteady by a confused consciousness of the meditated crime was added the intense and overpowering horror of at once recognising a sister, and burying in the same moment, as he believed, his dagger in her heart. Wild and dismayed, precipitately he had fled, a murderer in thought, at least, if not indeed, and sought, in a state of mind inexpressible, the vile sorci who, like sin, sat expecting to hear tidings of death. "'Well!' exclaimed she, starting from the restless couch where she had thrown herself, as, pale and disordered, the unhappy Leonardo rushed into the room, his mask in his hand, and his vest torn open to admit the air to his burning bosom. "'Well, is it done? Yes, yes. Vengeance is executed upon one of your enemies!' he cried in hurried accents. "'Upon the false, the infamous Berenza, I hope?' eagerly returned Magalina, approaching and gazing in his pallid face. "'No, no, upon my sister,' gloomily answered Leonardo. "'Your sister, you rave, young coward!' cried Magalina, shaking him by the arm. "'I do not. I have mortally wounded Victoria de Loredani, my sister. "'Wounded her mortally in the arms of him for whom my dagger was intended. "'Thy sister!' "'Thy sister!' in a voice of fiend-like exultation cried the infamous Strozzi, yet secretly enraged that Berenza had not perished, and thrown by the fury of Disappointment off her guard. "'Then Magdalena Strozzi is not the only fallen female upon earth. No longer she bow her head with shame to the ground. For Lorina, mother to the heir of Loriadani and Victoria, his sister, both high and noble ladies, raise her to their level by sinking to hers.' "'Oh!' "'This is a bomb to my soul!' she continued, clapping her hands with a wild laugh. "'Marenza, proud and accomplished seducer! "'The woman who loves thee may sacrifice to thee her innocence and her fame, "'but thou wilt never sacrifice to her thy liberty, or grant her thy harmable love!' "'Thus continued the unfeeling Florentine, wreaking upon the wretched Leonardo the avenging scorpions of her tongue, "'for having failed in the precise purport of his dreadful mission.' This was the first time, since her ill-advised union, that she had ventured to breathe aught concerning, much less taunt him with the agonizing secret of his family misfortunes. His high soul sickened and shrunk within him at illusion so barbarous. For an instant he regarded with horror the infamous Strozzi. He essayed to speak, but could not, and overpowered with violent and conflicting emotions, he fell prostrate on the floor. It was then Magdalena began to think, and even admitted the conviction that she had proceeded too far. She almost feared that, by the inhuman stab she had given to the high feelings of the youth, she had destroyed forever in his heart every particle of love for herself. This reflection served in an instant to change the tenor of her conduct. From the malice of rage and disappointment, she softened to the suggestions of her interest, which whispered to her that in losing now the regards and future devotement of Leonardo, upon which she calculated much, she should lose her all. Throwing herself beside him, therefore, she passionately implored his forgiveness, and sought, by the repetition of every well-tried artifice, to soothe and alleviate the agonizing tumult she had excited. By degrees her blanishments began to prevail over the infatuated youth, and even the horrible recollection she had awakened in his mind, of his being in reality a disgraced and wandering outcast, drew him but more closely to her, who, knowing him for what he was, still loved and took an interest in his fate. He adored her, though she had wounded him to the soul, and when to her caresses and ardent professions of eternal attachment she solicited some reply. He raised her in his arms, as kneeling she bent over him, and pressing her with violent emotions to his bosom, passionately cried, "'Megalina, I am thine. Yes, I feel that I am, and shall be safer. Oh, lovely and seducing woman, eternal must thy empire be over me. And if I forsake thee, may the curse of heaven light upon my head.' Then, cried the Florentine, delighted at the strength and solemnity of this assurance, let us from this moment be eternally devoted to each other. Let us swear that not time, accident, nor circumstance shall ever disunite us. I swear, answered Leonardo ardently, I swear it again, and kissed with rapture the extended hand of Magdalena. Receive, too, my oath of perpetual allegiance to thee, loved youth, with ardor exclaimed the Florentine for I solemnly swear to be ever true and devoted to thee. Now then, she added more calmly, let all past differences be buried in oblivion, and the more material circumstances of the moment obtain our consideration. Seating herself beside Leonardo, she then desired a minuter detail of the occurrences of the night, when suddenly, in the midst of his relation, she missed the dagger which she had given to him. Her high flushed cheek became immediately blanched by terror and eagerly she interrupted him to ask him concerning it. In an instant the recollection flashed upon his mind that, in endeavouring to recover his mask, he had never thought of retrieving his dagger likewise, which he did not even remember to have drawn from the bosom of Victoria, where fully he believed himself to have plunged it. Such had been the horror and agitation of his mind he could retrace nothing distinctly, yet the dagger unquestionably was left behind, and this was enough to distract the Florentine. Gasping for breath, "'We are undone!' she cried. "'We are betrayed, for on the hilt of that dagger is engraved, "'at full length, the name of Magdalena Strozzi "'Leonardo was silent, for he dreaded the reproaches "'which he almost felt he merited. "'Suddenly recovering, however, her presence of mind, she exclaimed, "'We must fly! We must fly instantly! "'The night is not yet spent! "'Before daybreak we may be far from this detested city! "'To some future period must I defer the completion of my just revenge!' You tremble, young man, but let us hope, she added with a horrible smile, that you will not always be thus dismayed at the thought of blood. Why, Leonardo, thou art not half a Venetian. Am I not, Magdalena? When occasion calls, I can prove myself one. But I feel that, were I even abject by blood and in my heart, that thou couldst render me equal to anything. Still, as he spoke, his eyes refused to meet the unshrinking gaze of the Florentine. We shall fly then together, beloved Leonardo, said she, and I shall not so much regret our enforced departure from this gay city, for, now to be frank with thee, my love, my resources diminish daily. This place affords me no longer the exhaustless mind I once imagined it would. The Venetians have become wary, or can it be, that I am changed from beauty to deformity? Be it as it may, we will quit it unreluctantly, and let us hope that elsewhere better fortune may be ours." Though some parts of Magdalena's speech had surprised Leonardo, he forbore, unwilling to diminish her fascinations in his own eyes, to require more ample explanations. He took her hand hastily, and said, I will follow thee, fair Magdalena, wheresoever thou wilt, even unto the end of my life, as we have mutually sworn. Smiles of pleasure chased from the brow of the Florentine to the gloomy traces of rage and unsatisfied revenge. She looked upon her lover with eyes of gratitude and ardent affection. He was indeed become her all, her sole dependence in the plans of her future life, for, vicious, profligate, and unsteady, though still not past the zenith of her charms, they were deemed so far from counterbalancing the violent passions which deformed her mind that she had but few admirers among the jealous and suspicious Venetians. She now hastened from the room to make every preparation for an immediate flight, in less than two hours she had gathered together all the valuables she possessed, and which were capable of being taken with them. Every requisite was arranged, and the grey eye of the morning beheld them far from Venice. Unhappy Lorina, whose criminal desertion of thine offspring entailed upon them such misery and degradation. In this early career of their lives, behold the guilt and unworthiness for which they are amenable. Yet, darker still, and disfigured by greater crimes, will be the days which are to come. Faultless example would have shunted into efforts of virtue the proud and violent nature of thy daughter. Yet behold her now, without even a remorseful struggle, abandoning its precepts. Thy son, the dark hue of his character decided, the slave of an artless worthless wanton, who presumes, and justly presumes, to call herself thy equal, while, through a terrible and unforeseen combination of events, he has been on the eve of becoming the murderer of his sister." Tremble, unfortunate and guilty mother, for longer and more gloomy becomes a register of thy crimes. End of chapter 15 Recording by Todd